Folks, welcome back to the show where our wires do get crossed, but our swords always are. It is a Sabres game night. The Sabres are down in the panhandle to take down, take down, hopefully, to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we've got a podcast to catch up on the past week's worth of action, as well as get ready for that action tonight. Of course, any action you're looking for this weekend, make sure you make it happen at the place to buy a case outlet liquor. And speaking of action, we got a full panel. We got Gatesy. We got intern Vinny. Gentlemen, uh, it's a Sabres game night, and I'll start off by saying after what happened on Monday, couldn't come soon enough. Yeah, I think that Toronto game just left a sour taste in everyone's mouth, and if you even open up Twitter, it is pandemonium on Sabres Twitter right now. It seems like the season's already over, and the ups and downs, like I think a couple months ago in November, we were in must-win games in November, and we're doing okay right now. We faced a Toronto team that was hot, that came out swinging in a game that, you know, they kind of had to win as well to kind of prove that they're where they are in the NHL. And it's an 82-game season for a reason. The Sabres aren't going to go undefeated the rest of the stretch. Tonight's going to be a big test against another good team. Yeah, Sabres Twitter was a rough place to be. And again, I mean, sports Twitter, and I think we've said this even early in the season, is when you're looking at hockey, it's a long season, right? And people have a tendency, especially when the Bills are playing, to immediately overreact to losses. With that said, it is getting late in the season. I think we could use the excuse and sort of calm people down for a while and say, it's all right, like there's still 50 games left. There's still half the season. Now you're getting to a point where there is almost less than 30 games left, so you're five-eighths of the way through the season. And yes, some of these games are must-wins, whereas – you know, games in, in November aren't necessarily. So I, I'm going to say now a lot of these games become even more important than we liked to pretend those games back in the fall were. Listen, and people always go to me, you know, intern Vinny, he's handsome. He knows everything he's talking about, but then sometimes he drops a five eighths and I'm like, yeah, we need to keep him an intern for a little bit longer because <laughs> those numbers were going completely the wrong way for the Sabres on Monday. Um, it was very interesting because I think the attitude going into that Monday game, and obviously we'll, you know, talk the overall team in a second, but it was kind of like, we got the games in hand. Like, here's like a little, you know, frisky matchup with with Toronto. Like, let's see where we kind of line up. We, t- we took care of them last year uh, for the most part. And I think it was a back-to-reality moment for Sabres. I think we were all riding high. They were on a kind of a West – had a little success out in the West Coast despite, you know, struggling against good teams like the Hurricanes at home recently. Again, bringing it all together here, I think it was a reality check for sure for this team. And it's very interesting to see where we'll go from here. And starting off, obviously, tonight in Tampa Bay, at Tampa Bay, arguably no tougher place to play in the NHL right now. Um, and I think that's pretty much a fact, given the fact I think they're 14-1 and one, uh, in their last 15 games at home. And it's pretty clear cut, guys. Obviously, it's like you said, intern V, we got about 20, what, 26, 27 games left here. Uh, and there's no, you know, terrible opponents on the schedule, you know, except for what Columbus at the end and maybe, you know, a matchup with the Flyers or something tossed in there. But besides that, you're playing all contenders and these guys are going to be playing for playoff positioning down the stretch, Gatesy. Yeah, I think one thing Sabres fans have really noticed is this team takes advantage of maybe teams below them in the standings. And this team has a really, I think some nights they have a high ceiling and a low floor and I think against the Leafs, we really saw that low floor come into play against a really good team. And I think everyone's really has high expectations for the Sabre squad. You know, here, this team's got to make the playoffs their chance to finally break the drought. But this is the time of the year where things are going to get tough for a young team 
They're going to face some teams that have been there, done that. If you look at the teams above the Sabres in that wildcard chase, they're veteran teams. You got Crosby and the Penguins, Ovi and the Caps. The Islanders have been on a couple runs the past few years. These are teams with experience. Um, and the reason these, there's a reason the Sabres team is an outside chance for a wild card spot. That's not guaranteed. They got to put things together and that they can go with some sort of run against these really good teams. I think we can set, like it's set in stone that the squads can make a run in the playoffs. But right now, getting through the stretch without collapsing, I think it'll be huge. Yeah, this is a really, really important time. It's tough because the schedule is so difficult. I'm going to reference a tweet that was pretty popular on Twitter um, just a couple days ago. This was posted, I believe, yeah, the 23rd. This was posted two days ago on Tuesday. This is from Aaron at 23Sabers on Twitter. And he said, the Sabres' remaining schedule is incredible. Only four out of the remaining 28 games, it's actually five, but he corrects that immediately, um, are against teams currently under 500. Philly twice, Columbus twice, and they play Montreal, who is currently below 500 as well. So that's five other games. Philly has a 483 win win winning percentage. Columbus is a 360 winning percentage right now. They have 12 games where they're playing against a current top six team in the NHL, not just the East, a top six team in the NHL. That's the Rangers three times, the Devils twice, the Lightning twice, which we're going to see tonight, Boston twice, Carolina twice, including the game two nights ago, and then Carolina again. So, I mean, they have really a gauntlet of games coming up, and that's really tough, especially because this is where a this is a time where the Sabres could really let this get away from them here. I mean, we've seen so many years where they've maybe, you know, they, I mean, two years in a row, they won long stretches, 10 game win streak, eight game win streak. And then they collapsed and finished in the bottom, you know, bottom 10th of the, or not bottom 10th, but in the bottom 10 teams of the league. And this is a season where you, you have a tough schedule and it seems like it'd be very easy to do that again. And we've seen how streaky the Sabres team is, but I mean, Gatesy, when you look at how, the schedule is made up. It's very possible, but you really can't afford to lose five, six in a row here, even though the teams you're playing against, you know, could warrant it. Yeah. And I think one thing we do have to keep in mind is Sabres are playing really good teams at the end of the stretch here. These are playoff games in terms of the overall feeling and um, what goes behind them. And just because say things don't work out, the Sabres play um, all these Walker teams so many times down the stretch, like, Really, anything is possible for this team. Um, anything can come back, just like Maniac here. And I think just realizing that these games down the stretch are so important because they're a good team. Oh, no. Am I frozen here? Oh, I thought it was me for a second. I don't know what's going on. We need to get this team back on the same page. We need to get... My internet, it's just like UPL. It decides to play for five minutes and then it's taking the rest of the night off. I mean, I cannot have this. This need, We need to get back on the same page and let's do it with a great quote from our guy Paul Hamilton the other day. And this is an interesting one because in one in one sense, it seems like, yeah, no shit. Like, obviously, they're better with a shoot in the puck. But you start out the game the other night. You go 10 minutes without a shot. Toronto just absolutely blasting you in your own zone. Do you think there's maybe a shred of truth to the way that this team has an attitude toward games, the way, toward they, the way they attack the offensive zone, and maybe that this quote has a little bit of uh, sentiment to it, Gatesy and, and Vinny? Yeah, I think I said it before the pregame show on uh, that game against the Leafs that the Sabres can't afford to try and trade chances with the Leafs because they're just going to get killed. And I think they really tried to do that that night, and 
it just didn't pay off. Um, the Leafs' defense really just swarmed the puck. Uh, their forwards got back quick. They played hard in their own end. And I think the Sabres were a little lax. I mean, they're definitely very lax in, in the defensive end. Couldn't get bailed out. Just got out-muscled every time. And I think they do find success, obviously, when they shoot the puck and get some sort of offense sustained. Because I think that, I don't know the numbers, but I felt like they had so many turnovers entering the Toronto end. Get turned over, come right back the other way. Nice out-of-man rush and they find the back of the net. It seemed like every time. Yeah, that was one of the most frustrating things about watching that game was it was not necessarily the Sabres. And I've seen a lot of people say this on Twitter, like, oh, the, the Maple Leafs figured out. And a lot of people overreacted with this alone, right? Is the Sabres got figured out. Everybody knows what Granado's system is, and he's not, he's not able to adjust. Now, one thing I will say is, like, sure, the past couple of games, you know, I'll reference the Flames game specifically, Sabres come out – wouldn't say hot. I mean, they had three shots on goal and two of them went in. So they're leading two nothing after the first twenty. After the first period, they come back. The Flames come back, score four goals in the second, and then the third period was terrible. And so the Sabers maybe not a second period team. In the Toronto game, they came out slow. We're down four nothing. Ended up technically once Craig Anderson was in the net, they won. They won that mini game, which doesn't mean anything. But I mean, it's that was a big narrative that I was pushing on Monday night. We won the Anderson game, right? So, but with that said, it's not necessarily that the Sabers got figured out. I think they were just playing bad hockey. And I'm and I'm now bringing this all back to Gatesy's point. One of the most aggravating things they were doing is doing way too much at the opponent's blue line. They would get to Toronto's zone and immediately turn it over. They weren't playing, they weren't making smart plays. And one of the most aggravating things in hockey as a coach, and one of the worst things to do in hockey in general, turnovers at your opponent's blue line is the second worst place to make a turnover on the ice, aside from literally right in front of your own net. So it's just, you're committing one of the cardinal sins of hockey fundamentals just on a repeated basis. And Tage did it, Skinner did it. Cousins did it. Jack Quinn did it. I think if you go into their turnover numbers, which I don't have in front of me, all of them have to be credited with at least one turnover at the Toronto blue line in the first period alone, because they'd get there, try to do too much. And then it'll be a turnover because Toronto is a good, I mean, we love to make fun of the Maple Leafs because they can't win in the playoffs, but they're a good team. If you put this team on paper, if you sim their, you know, I don't know if NHL 23 has like a Maple Leaf stink in the playoffs, like bug, but if you sim them, they probably make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, maybe six out of every 10 simulations because Agreed. how talented their team is on paper and on the ice. I mean, that's not a bad team. And when you make those mistakes, it's going to cost you. It did four times in the first 20 minutes of that game the other day. Yeah. And what costs them? I mean, listen, he's my guy. He is him when he's on. But my goodness, UPL, like, you know, asleep. I don't know what the word is, but some of the angles he was taking on those goals. I mean, they were terrible. Yeah, that's plain and simple. So with that said, uh, that the angles and that has shifted a little bit on this. Talked a couple weeks ago, you know, the I think a lot of us came out to it was UPL two thirds of the time. And then I think we even lean maybe Comrie over Anderson where I'm at with my refreshed kind of platoon idea. I I still am a a UP guy. I'm not going to jump off my UP bandwagon yet. I want to up the Anderson. Yes, I do want Comrie. This is where I want Comrie. Exactly like tonight. I want him against the hardest teams and the worst teams. Uh, So I'm thinking about him for like the Columbus matchup, and I'm thinking about him for this game. Then I want Anderson playing everybody. 
who are the fringes below that. I want him playing like the next 10% as far as far as quality goes and then the bottom 10% as quality goes. So that's your 20% at each, right? And then in that middle 60, I still want UP. So maybe, maybe 50, maybe you put Anderson at like, you know, 25%, uh, something like that. But that's where I'm at. Uh, what about you boys? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I still think you have to run UPL. I see so much stuff online of going with experience over, you know, the guy right now. And the key phrase was experience versus experiment. Like people were saying he should have played versus Toronto. No, I want UPL in that game. The, when we have a game that we need to win, I want UPL in right now. It doesn't matter if you have Dominic Hashik in that, that game. The Sabres were going to lose no matter who was in the crease. If you look at the goal, people were so angry about the goals UPL let in. The last one, I'll, I'll give it to you. Not not great, but the other what three before that, um, just guys getting uh, beat to coverage, no one back checking. Uh, the one goal is a two on three in front of the Sabers net. They get outworked. They have an extra guy. Puck is up, ends up in the back of the net. You you see these things that might look like they're the goalie's fault, but it's only because they have lackluster defensive play and guys not working hard in their own end and they get that's a totally different game because yeah you might want them to stay uh some of those pucks but they shouldn't be happening in the first place it's not up to to him to save everything and do everything for this team he's what 23 years old give the guy a break because he needs a team in front of him to make saves as well it's not just up to him to keep the score below three every night before you, you chime in, IV, I defer. I defer to the charts. I, I don't always believe them, but I defer to that. There is some semblance of reason and a analytic. You know, obviously there is, you know, quantitative data that they're using. I think UPL has played better for the most part than his numbers indicate overall. I would say that, and that's not me being biased. I think when he needs, like, when the Sabres team needs a big save after a turnover, for the most part, he gets one. That was that's been happening in the last month or two. And I feel like he gives that team that boost. They reiterate that. I feel like he gives them more confidence than those numbers betray. What do you got, Ivy? Yeah, I mean, I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna use a phrase that is is a little bit negative. So looking back at the Toronto game, right? You've got four goals scored on you in the first period. The first two are I'm gonna say less than one percent UPL's fault. The first play is just a good hockey play. Toronto drives the puck wide, draws the defense in. O'Reilly comes in as a third guy, gets into the slot, one-timer into the net. Really, that's just, I mean, Toronto's going to score goals. Uh, Buffalo, like, I can criticize Buffalo's defense, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sundays. But the reality of the fact is that when you're looking at that play specifically, that's just a good hockey play. Teams are going to score that play. You might score that play against Tampa Bay tonight, and they have a good defense. So I'm not really worried about the first goal or the second goal for that matter. Yeah, you'd like your defense to pick up O'Reilly. I mean, he kind of squeaks in between the D. You'd like them to close that gap a little bit. I'm not worried about that. Third goal, I'm going to place like 50% of the blame on him because the puck was loose and he he couldn't track it through. He the, didn't adjust. He, he got yeah. flat. He got flat and like in a spot. And that's, that's going to be the crux of this argument is going to be you need – I understand he's 23 – and I understand he has very little experience in the NHL. And I understand he's played pretty well all year long. And I'm, I'm just going to get a little selfish when I say your goalie's job is – your goaltender's job is to tend to the goal. And I think you need him to bail you out a little bit. You just need him to bail you out. Now, again, I'm not expecting him to be Vasilevsky. I'm not expecting him to be Carter Hart, who was really, really good a couple years ago. 
I'm not expecting him to be Ottinger. I just need him to bail you out from time to time. He didn't do that against the Maple Leafs. That's that's fine. So I'm not really on the the ship of getting him out of the net, you know, twice as much as we expected him to. He's just, you know, a guy that has an experience and you would have liked a couple of saves there because you saw the Sabres offense can get you back in the game. It was just too little too late. Um, but yeah, I, I think the concern I would have is as much as I like, I like Anderson, I think he's solid. I, I think there could be another situation of next week, you know, the Sabres play Florida, obviously on Friday, then they play the Capitals on Monday. Let's say Craig starts the game against the Capitals and we lose five to two. I think they play the Capitals on Sunday. Just so That's know. what I meant. Yes, I didn't yes, mean yes. Monday. That, yep. okay. Thank you for fixing, for correcting me on that. But so let's say Craig starts Sunday and he lets up five or four and then gets yanked. I mean, we could be having a conversation of Craig's too old. He should retire. We want to see Comrie more. And then we might be having the same conversation next Wednesday about how Comrie played well on Tuesday night and we should see him 40% of the time. And then all of our arguments are tying back together of the immediate gratification of every loss is the end of the world and every win, that means our goalie is the best. I think just like all of the factors need to be taken into account. So my general point is I don't want to overreact to the game on Monday, but I'll maybe take five, I'll take what would be two games away from UPL, maybe give them to Anderson just in the sense that, you know, maybe you need somebody that's a little bit more steady Again, I might be making a different point next week. Okay. Well, hey, it's, and that's how this Sabres team has been. They've been so streaky. They've been weak. Week might be saying one thing in the beginning of uh, at the end of February. You might be saying another thing at the beginning of March. Speaking of which, it is time for these Sabres. Uh, actually, not quite yet. Next week, Friday. Let's get into it real quick. Um, we actually had an awesome article uh, from our guy Hayek uh, Scoob on uh, our trainwrecksports.com talking about a couple of the options. So again, there's three schools of thought, nothing at all, little move like Darcy Regeer status. Um, and then a uh, big splash with a couple of candidates there. Uh, let's go each of you. Give me your preference. Uh, and then, well, give me, give me your preference first. And then what your ultimate prediction, what you think will happen. Come I mean, next Friday I, on the trade I, deadline. Yeah. I think my preference would be to bring in some sort of defensive help. I would love that help to be, um, someone that can really stay longer than the end of the year, another year, and a guy that might make an impact. I think there's so many depth defensemen that you can plug into this team. And, you know, it's, it's not Jacob Bryson, but is it really going to move the needle for the Sabres? I don't think so. Um, but my preference, you have so many prospects, so many picks, and not all these guys have can play in the NHL and can get there. And even when you draft a guy, you don't know he's going to make it to the NHL. You have so many guys out there you know can get on this team now and play well. Um, it's just whether or not the Sabres want to give up the the capital for it. I just see, uh, Kevin, this this deadline just taking it pretty easy, though. I think it's going to be kind of a quiet move for the Sabres. If it's anything, it might be something small, maybe on the back end. I think people's dream of grabbing Timo Meyer, Jacob Chikrin is a long shot, and I think that would be something fun. Something great. I would love Chicken on the back end, but at the end of the day, it's I don't know how feasible it is for the Sabres to part ways with these prospects right now. I would really like it, but I guess we'll find out what Kevin does. Yeah, I'm going to agree and say I don't think they're going to do anything really spectacular, which is a shame because I you do want to capitalize on, you know, the I'll call it momentum that your team has generated this year alone. 
Now, again, maybe next – if we drop the next three games, if we lose tonight and tomorrow and then Monday and Tuesday, I think, you know, coming into next Thursday night, I think I'm probably sitting there going, I don't need a trade before the deadline. Like, we've, we've lost all of our games in hand. We've basically lost them. Now we're not really in it. Now I don't really want to do anything splashy. But if we can go out and win three of four or even, you know, get what would be the equivalent of like five points – I think I still want – I want a splash move. My dream scenario is Jacob Chikrin. I think that would be so helpful because it's a long-term thing. He'd be here for more than one year. It's not just a rental. This is not a team that's in a position to want rentals yet. There's no reason we should be going out and getting somebody that's that's like a free agent in July because, it's again, we're not making a cup push. We're making just a get-in-the-playoffs push. And there's not a guarantee that one individual is going to get us there. I think Chikrin, while he might not get us to the playoffs this year, certainly will help and then could also help us get there next year and the year after that. The price for him right now, I'm looking at Joe Marino's tweet, uh, at Joe Marino TCB on Twitter. He said, uh, he, he's quote tweeting a tweet from Andy Strickland that says, the cost for Chikrin remains any combination of two first-round picks or a first and a prospect that would likely equal a first. To me, I'm going to do that all day long. I'll send them a first-round pick in 2023 or 2024. We have six picks in the first two rounds. Um, and I, I'm going to – if I can send you a first round – personally, I don't really want to give up Savoy, and I don't want to give up Coolidge. I'm not a fan of Ostlin, so selfishly, if we can send any one of our first-round picks, I'm sending Noah Ostlin, and I'm sending a first-round pick down the road. And if I can, I'll throw in a – fourth round pick if it makes the deal happen and brings Jacob Chikrin to the Buffalo Sabres. I really, really want to see him play with one of either, you know, Owen Power or I guess Henry Yoki Haru, if that, you know, depending on how the pairings work out and what Granado's thoughts are. And, you know, there's only a few teams where I guess it would be contrary, but the Sabres need a player that can contribute the next three years, not a player that can contribute three years from now. Um, even though they've worked to be in that position, where they have these draft picks, they have these prospects and riches, they really need that one guy right now. Right. And I'm gonna I'll just add like quickly that like, yeah, you you have so many picks over the next few years and all these players in your prospect pool. You have forwards that are playing in Russia right now that are gonna be NHL ready, just sort of that's how the Russians work, is they're just a little bit more physical than you know the Swedes are, which is great. You have a the, the Russians is like playing basketball abroad instead of going to college. You get you're ready yeah. a couple years earlier. Right. So and that's all well and good. We have prospects, and we're going to have more prospects. There might be a chance that we draft somebody next year that's ready to go in the NHL right away. But, I mean, the reality of the situation is, and I know I'm not the first guy that said this, we have so many prospects. There's no way, even if they're all NHL talents, that all of them are going to play for the Sabres. Let's say Noah Oslin goes to Phoenix and is a 24-year, 24-goal-a-year scorer. That's a real shame because we traded him away. But also, guess what? We didn't know that, and we got somebody that actually is going to help us in Jacob Chikrin. That's I'm willing to take that chance because there's a chance that Oslin doesn't develop right away. Maybe we trade him for a second-round pick four years from now, and then he goes and has a Tage Thompson development. There's no way of telling because prospects in the NHL are so different than in any other sport. I want something that's going to help us the next three years. <coughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Sorry, folks. Had a little cough there. Speaking of which, let's hope the Sabres aren't confident up the puck early against Tampa Bay, or that could be trouble as they get ready for action against the Lightning 
tonight in Tampa.